Bibles this morning, please, and turn with me to 2 Chronicles. That's in your Old Testament, 2 Chronicles chapter number 20. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I'm wishing that Tim were here and not on vacation today. There's some great names in here that he could pronounce for us. 2 Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to read the first 13 verses together. If you found that, would you please stand out of respect for the reading of God's word? We'll read responsively. I'll begin on verse 1. You join with me on verse 2 and so forth. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. The Bible says, It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and with them other beside the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria, and behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord, even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest thou not over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Are not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now, behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what we ought to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones and their wives and their children. And even though I read it a bit wrong, verse 12 is our text where Jehoshaphat prays. And at the last part of that verse, he says, Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you for the Bible. Thank you, Lord, that it is the living, powerful word of God. Thank you, Lord, that just a few days ago as I opened this Bible and I read these verses, this living word of God spoke to my heart and gave me what I needed for that day. And Lord, I pray that you'd empower me this morning as I try to share that truth with the people of God. May we listen with spirit-filled ears and grow in grace because of it. Bless the special and the sermon to follow in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated.
I once stood as a sworn enemy of the God who kept pouring out kindness. I once stood with an angry clenched fist till he whispered and silenced my fighting. Undone, undone, I could not escape it. Ten thousand times I could sing it. There's ten thousand ways I've received it. It never runs out, it never grows cold. Just when I thought I'd reach the limit, it keeps pouring out, I'm drowning in it. It won't shut me out, it won't let me go. So I'll keep singing on and on of this grace. I'll keep singing on and on of this grace. I'll keep singing on. Some may say that it's foolish, but how could you ever grow tired of such goodness? I just know that I must sing. I won't see a drop of his grace ever wasted. Undone, undone, I cannot escape it. Times I could sing it. There's ten thousand ways I've received it. It never runs out, it never grows cold. Just when I thought I'd reach the limit, it keeps pouring out. I'm drowning in it. It won't shut me out, it won't let me go. So I'll keep singing on and on of this grace. I'll keep singing on and on of this grace. I'll keep singing on. And I'll never get over it, never get over it. I know where I was. I know where I thousand times I could sing it. There's ten thousand ways I've received it. It never runs out. It never grows cold. Just when I thought I'd reach the limit, it keeps pouring out. I'm drowning in it. It won't shut me out. It won't let me go. So I'll keep singing on and on of this grace. I'll keep singing on and on of this grace. I'll keep singing on and on of this grace. I'll keep singing on and on. I'll keep.
where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Thank you, Brother Adam. Wonderful song. Never heard it before. Looking forward to hearing it the second time tonight. Amen. Your Bibles are open to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. How many are reading through the Bible using the schedule we handed out in January? If so, I'm sure you recognized our text this morning. It was uh, part of our reading just uh, a few days ago. Uh, where the Lord uh, spoke to my heart. If you were to see my Bible, you would find all kinds of things highlighted and underlined and little uh, notes in the, the margins as God just uh, spoke to my heart. And I journal everything, so I, I'm preaching straight from my journal today. And, and I hope that uh, as I tell you what God spoke to me about, that uh, you'll listen in on that conversation and maybe you'll get a blessing as well. This year marks 43 years in full-time ministry. And I gotta be honest, in, in, in all of my ministry, I've never seen a time where God's people seem to be so frustrated and so fearful with the issues of life. Our world has changed just in the last three years. Uh, our world has changed and we're aware that some of those things are never going to go back to the way that they used to be. We are facing challenges politically, economically, and, and, and socially uh, to where we feel like we're banging our head against the wall and common sense seems to have died. And we look at that and, and I, I hear so many Christians expressing uh, fear and worry and some even doubting why is God allowing this and where is God and what's God going to do about all these things. And brethren, that's not how God wants us to live especially knowing that the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It appears that that joy is gone, but it's, it's not just the social issues out there. It's the personal issues. People, to me, just seem to be dealing with more and bigger problems than ever. Maybe it's just the fact that I'm more aware of other people than I was as a young man and a young preacher, but I just see people going through such deep waters and such deep trials, wondering if there's any way out. And I can't speak for everybody, but I know that there are times even recently that I have felt like Jehoshaphat in verse number 12 of our text, where I've gone to the Lord and said, God, neither know we what to do. God, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do. I have no idea how I'm supposed to handle this. God, I don't know where to turn. Lord, I don't know what to do. In our text, we see a godly man by the name of Jehoshaphat. He's the king of Judah, and of all their kings, Jehoshaphat stands out as one of their finest. Not a perfect man, he made some mistakes, but not out of wickedness, but more out of just he wasn't wise in some things that he did. He loved the house of God, he loved the word of God, and under his reign, Judah experienced a tremendous revival. A good man, a godly man. Then all of a sudden, word came to him that there were enemies from the Far East that had conspired together and they were on their way to attack the kingdom of Judah. The, the Ammonites, the Moabites, and the descendants of Esau that had harbored centuries-old hatred against Israel had teamed up together in a coalition and they were coming to attack. 
His army was outnumbered. It was a formidable enemy, to say the least. It was three against one. If he were to conscript every man, uh, including teenagers, into an army, that would, it would not be enough to face the mass of humanity that was coming against him. Um, and Jehoshaphat knew that. Jehoshaphat's response was typical, not just a fearful uh, or formidable enemy, but look at his fearful emotions. Verse number three, and Jehoshaphat feared. He feared. It doesn't say here that he feared the Lord. He, that, that's referring to what's coming his way. David, the great general, the great captain, the, the slayer of giants, made this statement in the book of Psalms. He said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. We all experience those moments of fear. How is this going to turn out? What's going to happen now? How am I going to handle this? We have it about our, our culture. We have it about our government. We have it about our families. We have it about ourselves. We have it about our, uh, our health and our finances. And that list is actually endless. And if we're not careful... That fear can overwhelm us. Pastor Young preached a tremendous sermon uh, on the subject of fear a couple of Sunday nights ago. He reminded us that Paul told Timothy that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. So Jeho Jehoshaphat is, is been uh, uh, faced with this army and everybody in his kingdom is afraid. Their lives are at stake, but Jehoshaphat, he's got the responsibility for all of them. If his kingdom falls, he's the one that's going to take the blame for it. He's the one that as their king, as their, if you will, political shepherd, knowing his heart, he's, he's going to take that to heart. It's going to devastate him. He is worried about his people. He is afraid. And even in his prayer to God, he said, neither know we what to do. He was being very, very honest with God. Some people like to, when there's a problem, comes along, well, I can take care of this. I, I, I know exactly what, and they just kind of rise up. Jehoshaphat didn't do that. He was a very honest man, very humble man. And he just went straight to God and said, Lord, we don't know what to do. Now, before this chapter ends, Jehoshaphat is going to see a victory from the Lord second to none. He is going to see God do some incredible things. He did not know what to do was his statement. But there was a reality about Jehoshaphat that even though he didn't know what to do, he did the right stuff. Does that make any sense? He didn't know what to do, but what he did do was perfect. You say, well, what did he do? Let's walk through this chapter just a little bit. Number one. We know that he, he was afraid, but first of all, Jehoshaphat determined that he was going to seek the Lord. Verse 3, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. He set himself to seek the Lord. That gives us the idea that he determined deep within his heart he was not gonna, he's not gonna stop until he had found the will of God and the mind of God and the help of God. He was gonna pray until he knew that peace that passeth understanding. 
He wasn't just going to utter some little prayer, Lord, I need your help, and then go about and handle it on his own. Jehoshaphat decided, I am going to seek God, and I am going to stay in that position until I hear from God. When our children were very little, someone gave us a devotional book for them, and we used it from time to time as they were toddlers. The title of the book was Little Visits with God. Little Visits with God. It was a cute little book, and it was illustrated, and it, it had cute devotions and, and very simple that were very kind and very good for small children to learn. But over the years, that title has intrigued me, Little Visits with God. And I've come to believe that for a lot of us, and sometimes self-included, that sadly describes our relationship with God. It's Little Visits with God. Oh, we, we call on God when there's something big going on. We call on God when we have this big, gigantic need. And, and, and we're faithful to God here and there. And it's hit or miss and up and down and off and on and hot and cold and all that kind of stuff. Jehoshaphat said, no, that's not what this is going to be. I have set myself to seek the Lord. And I want you to understand from verse 3, that was the first thing that he did. Seeking the Lord was not a last resort. Well, I've tried this, man, I, I called the, the Pharaoh in Egypt. He's got a big army to see if they could come, but, but, but his army's all off and maneuvers in the Sahara Desert and they can't come. And, and I, I called the kingdom of Phoenicia and, and, and they're not really interested. His navy's gone somewhere else. And I guess we'll have to go, man, I guess we better talk to the Lord about it. God was not his last resort. God was his only resort. It was his first resort, but it was his only resort. And by the way, he was okay with that. The Bible says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Sometimes when things are going on in life, we're, we're looking for all kinds of answers, and then when we can't find them, okay, what, uh, what, what would God have me to do? Jehoshaphat had a different mindset, and remind you, Jehoshaphat had the victory that we want. He saw God move the way we want to see God move. Well, his pattern that he said was he sought God first and it was determined. Again, look at verse three. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. The second thing that he did in that same verse is Jehoshaphat declared a fast or a time of fasting. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. The idea of fasting was a regular part of Jewish life. It was a part of the law of Moses that there were certain times when the people would have a fast. Sometimes it was a part of special uh, feast days and so forth. There would be some fasting. Other times there were, there were calls to national fasting uh, in case of this, an enemy that's coming to attack them or the judgment of God falling upon them. But in the Jewish life, fasting was often a part of it. Sometimes vows that they made before the Lord uh, involved this matter of fasting. Fasting is generally when we no longer eat food for a period of time. Uh, but it's not just the absence of eating food. It might be a day or three days. Moses fasted for 40 days, not once but twice in a very short window of time. 
Most of us don't do well fasting 40 minutes. But he fasted 40 days twice in a matter of uh, uh, just a few months. The Savior fasted for 40 days and 40 nights in Matthew chapter 4. Daniel uh, went on a search to understand some things that God had showed to him. And the Bible says that he fasted for 21 days. Um, so fasting can be a different period of time, a, a brief time or a very prolonged. But it's more than just, I'm just going to give up food for a while. There are health benefits to fasting. Maybe some of you that are into the health world are familiar with the, the, the phrase intermittent fasting. How many have ever heard that? And there are health benefits to giving up food and, uh, and stuff like that. But fasting in the Bible is just, hey, I'm not going to eat today. Fasting in the Bible is always linked together with prayer. In Matthew chapter 17 a man who had a demon-possessed son brought him to the disciples of Christ, and they were powerless to cast the demon out. The demon often cast that boy into the fire or tried to drown him, that nobody could control him. And the father had watched this happen from the time he said, from the time he was a child. I've often wondered, what did that child get exposed to that allowed such demonic influence in his life? The disciples were powerless. The Savior was up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John and came down. And the multitude ran to him, especially this man, bringing his son. I'm, I, I see him sort of dragging him, forcing him along. He may have been bound for all that we know. And he brought him there. And the man said, I brought this, my son to your disciples to, to cure him. And they couldn't do it. And Jesus said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I suffer you? And he talked to the man for a little bit. And then he came cast the demon out and the boy was healed. The disciples had been somewhat shamed in a public manner for their powerlessness. But they were humble and wise enough to understand that their failure, there had to be a reason behind it. So they came to the Savior and said, Lord, why couldn't we cast him out? They'd cast out demons before. The Savior had empowered them before, but not this one. And the Savior's response was, this kind cometh forth by nothing, but by prayer and fasting. You'll find those two things linked together in the word of God, prayer and fasting. That's what Daniel was doing in Daniel chapter 10 for 21 days. It was prayer and fasting. Jehoshaphat is facing the enemy of his lifetime, three against one. There is no military answer to it, and he knows that from the get-go. So he has decided, I've got to get a hold of God on behalf of my people. Moms and dads, you need to realize you've got to get a hold of God on behalf of your family. You've got to get a hold of God. You need God. We're raising our children and our grandchildren in difficult times, and we're not going to do it by our own wits and our own intuition and our own intellect. We have got to get God. There are forces out there that are poisoning the minds of the, the generation that's growing up in this world to where they're coming to believe that all kinds of perversion is normal and right and justified. We need to seek God for our families. But somewhere along the line, we're going to have to add Jehoshaphat's second ingredient. He declared a fast. He declared a fast. 
Fasting is where I set myself away from food. I'm denying self. Um, do you know who my worst enemy is? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. My worst enemy is the guy that's pledging allegiance in front of you right now. I've got five fingers pointing right here. I'm my own worst enemy. Uh, myself doesn't want to pray. Myself doesn't want to obey God. Myself doesn't want to do right. Myself doesn't want to be nice to people. Uh, myself wants all kinds of bad things. The Savior said, if I'm going to follow him truly, I have to deny myself and take up his cross and follow me. Fasting is a form of denying self. Denying self. I'm, I'm setting aside food for a while. And oh, I'm going to get hungry. My body's going to say, you need to eat. My body's going to smell something as I drive down the highway. Uh, about the time I start fasting, all my neighbors have a barbecue. <laughs> um, and and, it's gonna, and, my, and my, my flesh is going to say, you need to eat. You want that, you want that. But no, I need God more than I need that. So fasting is a form of denying ourself. Uh, fasting also, it declares the seriousness of our need. When, when I'm willing to deny myself and give this up for a period of time and seek the face of God instead of eating, I am, I am, I am really declaring I need God. And, and God's more important to me than anything else. Job said, I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. We need to get back to some old-fashioned prayer and fasting and, and add those two together. The Savior said there are some things, they don't happen. There are some things in which the, the Satan's hold is not, not released without prayer and fasting. Jehoshaphat wisely understood that and he proclaimed, he declared a fast. Um, along with that and in this point, Jehoshaphat drafted others to his cause. He drafted others to his cause, and I'm not done yet with the prayer and fasting part. Uh, the Bible says he proclaimed that fast throughout all Judah, and Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So now it's Jehoshaphat seeking God. Jehoshaphat's got a whole bunch of people that have recognized the need. They're seeking God with him, where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. If two of you agree is touching anything on the earth, it shall be done to them of my Father which is in heaven. And suddenly you've got this group of people and they're not just praying, they are fasting. Look at verse 13. Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. These were families because the, the, the kids learned how to fast and pray. The teenagers learned how to fast and pray. The young adults were part of this fasting and prayer. It wasn't just the grayheads and the older generation, the leadership, if you will, from the top all the way to the bottom. Because you see, every one of their lives were at stake. Every one of them needed God to step in and intervene. And Jehoshaphat wisely understood that and he's enlisted these people to come. Please understand this though. Jehoshaphat didn't get a crowd together so they could complain about the Ammonites and the Moabites, and the children of Esau. He didn't get them together and say, can you even believe they're treating us like that? 
I mean, when, when we were coming through and, uh, from, from Israel, from Egypt long a time ago, they wouldn't let us through their land and we didn't fight them back. God wouldn't let us fight them. And, and, and we let them go and we left them uh, be all this time. And here they come and they're fighting against us and they hate us. And man, th those people, are, they didn't do that. By the way, what would that have fixed? Would that have solved the issue? See, they weren't getting a crowd together saying, we all hate them. Let's all hate them together. They weren't whining, they weren't complaining, they weren't griping, they were praying, they were fasting, and they were seeking God. Massive difference. Massive difference. That fasting and prayer, it denies our flesh. It declares our seriousness in face of our need, and it directs our focus to God. It directs our focus to God. I have found that although I don't like being weak, that when I'm weak is when I really need God's strength. I text about 60 or 70 preachers all across the country, some in Canada and so forth, every Sunday morning, sometimes on Saturdays. A friend of mine pastors a church in Ohio, and I sent him a text this morning to assure him that I was praying for he and his wife and their ministry and, and praying that God would bless him today. And a lot of times they just say, thank you, praying for you as well. But this fella, he's preached here before. He's a good man. He just said, I, I, I'm struggling today. He said, uh, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm struggling with myself or, or if it's uh, just a satanic attack on me. He said, but I, I'm, just, I'm just struggling to, to even face the day. Um, we, we go through those times when I'm like that and I'm like that sometimes that's when I realize just how much I need God listen carefully maybe you can relate to this when I'm strong I don't think I need him so much is anybody else like that I have to ask a question because I'm feeling backslidden right now and I, I need some support when I'm strong, it's easy to think I don't need God. Some of the kings we've read about, if you've been reading your Bible, uh, we read, a, I believe, a, a king named Asa. The Bible says that God blessed him and he was strengthened and, and God uh, uh, strengthened him marvelously. But when he was strong, he got lifted up in pride and walked away from God. So sometimes... Sometimes God puts us in a position of weakness so that we realize how much we need him. He, God does that? Sure he does. Second Corinthians chapter 12, Paul said, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh and the reason was lest I should be exalted above measure for the abundance of the revelations. I was in danger of getting proud so God let me have this thorn in the flesh. I besought the Lord thrice God said no, and God's answer was, my, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. And Paul was going to spend the rest of his life physically weakened from this thorn in the flesh. 
But he understood that by being that way, he was going to pray more. He was going to depend on God more. When he got behind the pulpit, he knew if anything happened, that it had to be God because it wasn't him. And he prayed more and he said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather bear my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And when we're in that spirit of fasting and prayer, our focus is all of a sudden on God. We're recognizing through our hunger, our physical need and weakness, and it reminds Reminds us of our spiritual need and weakness. So Jehoshaphat, he said, I don't know what to do, but he did everything right. He determined to seek the Lord. He declared a fast. He drafted others to his cause, and then he directed his faith in prayer. I am a worrier. That is my nature. I'm to lay awake all night and worry about everything. I worry about church problems. I worry about finances. I worry about health things. Uh, I, that, is, that is just my nature. But here's what I've learned in 65 plus years of life. My worrying never fixed anything. My worrying never made me feel better. My worrying usually made things worse. Jehoshaphat spent no time in worry. He went straight to prayer. We, we read his prayer. Can, can we look back at it for just a moment? Verse six, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen and in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? It's almost like he was singing how great thou art. It's almost like he knew the Lord's prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, and, and thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, amen. He, he just starts out talking about the power of God. And he's lifting that up in such majestic words. Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham thy friend? This is not the sermon, but I have the words Abraham thy friend highlighted in yellow and circled. Abraham thy friend. Abraham thy friend. You know there are only a handful of people in the Bible that God referred to as his friend? I wonder if he calls us, his friends. Not the sermon. We'll move on. He's going back and saying, aren't you the God that told Abraham he's going to give him this land? And then aren't you the God in verse 8 that gave him the land? And we've been dwelling here ever since. And, and, and he's just talking about the power of God. Uh, sometimes it's a good thing for us to go, go back in, in our own minds to the victories that God's given to us and just remember, boy, God has been mighty good to me. I, I like that 10,000 ways to talk about the grace of God. Uh, we're never going to say enough about what God has done. And there are times when, when I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do about this. I have no idea what to do. I have no idea to make it better. I, I honestly don't. And it's been a year and a half. It's actually been longer than that. The doctors don't have answers. There's no point going to the ER because I know what's going to happen. And I'm just going to go home probably more frustrated than I was when I entered. Um, it, it's real easy to get discouraged. I, I'm just going to tell you right now. It, it's exhausting physically. 
It, it's tiring not to sleep at night. It's, 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 it's frustrating to not be able to do everything I want to do. I have to be careful right now. I have to be careful because you see, if I'm not, I'll forget that God has been really good to this guy. He's been amazingly good. He didn't make me tall, but he made me cute. Most of you can't say that. God's provided for my knees. I got to share my testimony. I was asked to do so uh, at the church in North Carolina last week. And one of the, the things uh, uh, in my testimony is, is how uh, God provided for Elijah at, my, at Cherith in a miraculous way. And, and I talked to them about the hardware on my left leg. I wear $75,000 worth of hardware on my left leg. That's more than your car cost. If your car costs more than that, you better start tithing, okay? Um, and, and my insurance was supposed to only pay half. I was supposed to come up with $37,500 for it. And when I went to get it last November, Hanger Clinic said, your insurance wrote the whole thing off. They're paying for all of it. And they didn't even know why. I don't know why other than the fact I serve a good God. And you see, I need to go back like Jehoshaphat and just let my faith be in the power of God, in the plan of God, how God's provided already, and realize if God did it then, God can do it today. And so maybe it hurts a little bit, but it doesn't hurt as bad as other people are hurting. And God's taking care of me through other storms, uh, storms that are worse than this. So what if I pledge allegiance all the time? It's making up for all the idiots that are burning the flag. Amen? That's a weird way of looking at life, isn't it? It's the medication. Jehoshaphat, his, his prayer is just so filled with faith. And then he claims God's word. Verse 9. Um, if when evil cometh upon us, as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee on affliction then thou wilt hear and help. He's going all the way back to 2 Chronicles chapter 7, where verse 14, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, don't think you're going to keep on living in sin and seek the Lord and it's going to work. The more I seek the Lord, the more I find that I got to get things right before I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to get what I need from God. Uh, and so forth. Do you realize Jehoshaphat is going back to a promise God gave to Solomon and his people, and he's, he's putting his faith in the promises of God. Every promise in the book is mine, every chapter, every verse, every line. We got an amazing book here, and God always keeps his word. God is always faithful. We're not, yet he abideth faithful. And so here's this man. He's now praying in front of the multitude of people. They have set themselves to seek God. They are fasting. We have no idea how long the fast went on. The Bible does not give us a time frame. But, but the king, his princes and leaders, the moms, the dads, their, their, their children, their, even their little ones are fasting and praying and seeking God. And now he's leading this congregation in prayer. In verse number 12, O God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. 
So he's set himself to seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat has declared a fast. Jehoshaphat has drafted other people into this prayer and fasting and seeking the Lord with him. Jehoshaphat has directed his faith in prayer, not in himself and not in his worries. It's in prayer to God. And now they're standing there and Jehovah answered. The Bible says, and and time is running short here, but the Bible says as they were standing, this huge multitude, it had to have been thousands, perhaps tens of thousands, maybe more. And they're all standing there. Out in the middle of the crowd, there was a man named Jehaziel. The Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. And all of a sudden, as this crowd's listening to the king pray, it would seem like maybe there was this silence, this reverence, this awe. They're in the presence of God. They're at the temple itself. Jehoshaphat is standing on the porch of the, what was called the new court that probably he had built uh, to, to, uh, uh, and dedicated the Lord. He's standing there with all these people, and there's this quiet hush, this awe. And suddenly the Holy Spirit spoke to Jehaziel. And Jehaziel heard the voice of God. He said, listen, all of Judah, listen, king. There's a God in heaven and God's heard you. Look at some of this prayer, this this prophecy. Be not afraid, verse 15, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Beloved, you understand when we're in a situation that we can't fix, that we can't handle, we're right where Jehoshaphat and the people are. We got to acknowledge the battle's not mine. I can't do this, but God can. He said, tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they be come up by the cliff of Ziz. God's even letting them know where the enemy is. Ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Look at verse 17. This is highlighted in my Bible. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves. Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you. I don't know about you. When there's, where there's something going on, I start getting antsy and I feel like I, I need to do, I, I just got to do something. I got to fix this and all that. And there's times that I think God just says, hey, Tom, shut up. Chill. Just Chill. Just stand still and see what I can do. And I think that there are times that God waits until I'm willing to do that. I'm not, I'm not talking about being lazy. I'm not talking about doing what you're supposed to do. I'm just talking about when your back's against the wall and there's really nothing you can do to fix that. We can't make people get saved. We can't make people get right with God. We can't necessarily make cancer go away or, or all these other things and, and so forth. And, and there are times that we're, we're all like this and God just said, I need you to just stand still. God's got this. And God's waiting for us to get there. Good. Now let me show you what I can do. Now, let me show you what I can do. He said, tomorrow, go out against them. He said, for the Lord will be with you. So Jehoshaphat bows his head to the ground, verse 18. 
And all Judy and the, and, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. I wish I could have been in, in that setting. Here's the king in his robes and he's down on his face before God. And this time he's just worshiping. They just heard an answer from God. By the way, the battle isn't won yet. All they know is God said, I'm going to do it. And there he's on his face worshiping. And all of a sudden, all the men and the women of Judah and, and all of their children and all of their little ones, they are all on their faces. There's not another person left standing. It's not a Benny Hinn thing. It is a God thing. And they're down on their faces. How great thou art. They are worshiping God. Verse 20, they arose early in the morning, went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. I have that highlighted in my Bible. Do you really believe God or not? When I take things back into my own hands, I'm saying I don't believe God can do this. He said, just believe. Now, I want you to notice what he does. When he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, praise the Lord for his mercy endureth forever. Does that sound like a familiar song? I, I want you to watch something. Brother Rob, I need you to stand down there. This is the enemy. I told you. This is the combined might of Moab, Edom, and the children of Esau. I'm Jehoshaphat, the king, with my army. Okay? Now, the Lord has commanded me to go out against them. Okay? So the army is supposed to go, and the king should, in those days, the king didn't sit in the White House. He led the army. So I'm supposed to go against him, but they're taking singers with them. In fact, it sounds like all the inhabitants of Judah went out because God said, you don't have to fight. You just have to stand still and watch me do it. So they took this choir with them and they're going to sing, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. But I want you to notice, according to verse 21, the order in which it happened. You're the, you're the singer. Stand behind me for a moment. It is not the army going out. Can you sing? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Oh, yeah, that's good. Come on, we can do this. We can do this. And he's following me along, encouraging me. You can stop. He has a button right there. That's not what happened. According to the Bible, the choir went first. Choirs don't precede armies. Choirs are behind them. Choirs don't sing praise the Lord before the battle. They sing praise the Lord after the battle is over and won. But Jehoshaphat said, that's not how we're doing it. God said he was going to fight this battle, and we're going to believe that, and we're going to demonstrate that, and we're going to let the choir go. And those, those heathen down there, those wicked, miserable, good-for-nothing heathen down there, they're going to be dumbfounded when they're faced with a choir singing about the goodness and the mercy of God when they thought they were going to see an army. Do you understand the faith in that? And so I'm the king with my army. 
Here's my choir. You say, what's the army doing? Absolutely nothing. Maybe joining the song. Maybe picking up that chorus. Could you imagine what that was like? Hundreds of thousands of people lifting up that one amazing song. And the Bible says while this is going on, the Moabites, Ammonites, and Edomites, they can't figure this out. At that moment, the Lord started messing with them. He sent ambushments against them, and we're not sure if people, random people started harassing the enemy, but the Moabites said to the Ammonites, hey, you messing with us? And the Ammonites said, hey, don't you threaten me. And the, and the children of Esau said, what are you two fighting about? We're the best ones here. And they turned on each other, and they slaughtered each other. And they're just singing. They're just, they're singing, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. And the army's looking around the choir going, what are those idiots doing? They're killing each other. Wow, look at God. Finally, the choir stopped singing. And they walked over. I'm not going to make you do it. But the army, they were all dead on the ground. And for the next three days, the children of Judah were going over here, taking the armor off the enemy armor, the, the enemy soldiers, found out that their tents were filled with all kinds of treasure. The kings leading them had brought treasure with them with which they'd pay their army by supplies. And they were three days gathering it up. There was so much in what was called spoil. And you say, what did they do? They sang and they waited and they saw God work. I'm not talking about uh, us not living for God and doing what we're supposed to do. But I'm talking about when we're in that moment, we don't know what to do. Do what Jehoshaphat did. Set yourself to seek God with the mindset, I'm going to seek him and I'm not letting go until I found him. Declare a fast. We need to get back to old-fashioned Fasting and praying. Draft some other faithful people to the cause. Not to criticize the enemy. Not to whine, not to gripe about our situation. But to join us in that fasting, that prayer, that seeking God. Enlist your children from time to time. And then focus your faith on the power of and the promises of God, and don't let worry take over. And you keep that up, and the God of Jehoshaphat is your God. And he does not change. What worked for Jehoshaphat works today. Works today. Thank you, choir. Thank you, enemy. When you don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And that's just one little thing I don't know what to do about. I still have hope because Jehoshaphat told me what to do. Can we bow our heads for prayer? You have listened amazingly well. Thank you.